Welcome to Hidden Risk, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Black Kite, the only platform capable of uncovering risk from three dimensions. To learn more about our sponsor, visit blackkite.com. I'm your host, Heather Engel. Joining me today is Jeffrey Wheatman, Senior Vice President and Cyber Risk Evangelist at Black Kite. Jeffrey, welcome to our podcast. Hey, Heather, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you virtually. So today we're talking about risk monitoring in the digital ecosystem. And Jeffrey, your title is you're a cyber risk evangelist. Can you tell us what that means and how you got that title? Yeah, so that's a great question. And people kind of smirk when I give them my title. So essentially, my job is to think about things and then talk to people about the things that I think about. If you think about an evangelist in a traditional sense, it's someone up on a pulpit and telling stories, whatever the stories may be. And when I originally took the job at Black Kite, my boss said, what do you want us to call you? And I sort of made this title up on the fly. But it turns out there are a lot of evangelists out there that do not necessarily have the title. But it's a fun job. I get to talk to people for a living. What more could you ask for? Yeah, that sounds great. So based on that, what would you say is the biggest gap in third-party risk management today? That's a great question. And I talk to people about this all the time. And I think that there are some nuanced things I think that need to be brought in. And I think first is that we typically hear about third-party risk management, vendor risk management, supply chain risk management. And from the cybersecurity perspective, they are essentially the same thing. You absorb risk because of your partner's either ability or inability to do the right things in cybersecurity, whether it's patching, whether it's data encryption, whether it's multi-factor authentication, all of those things. And I think that most folks are struggling conceptually. And then from a practical perspective, they don't know how many partners they have. They don't know how important those partners are. They don't really know how to assess the exposure and the risk because of cyber. They don't know how to prioritize and historically, the approach was very simple. You would check with finance, you would check with legal, and then you would send out a questionnaire. And if everything was okay, you would sign a contract. The problem is you'd sign a three-year contract and you'd base the entire thing on what the cyber posture was according to a questionnaire on day one. And it changes over time. The environment is so dynamic these days. And every single day, we see another breach out there that is a result of a partner being compromised. And doesn't even make sense to talk about them because they're all dated, but we just see so many of these. And two big examples that I think are interesting because they cross over into the physical. A few months ago, the largest port in Japan, the port of Nagoya, got hit with ransomware and they had to shut the entire port down for about two days. I guarantee no company recognized that their raw materials were flowing through that port, that their product was flowing through that port, that they couldn't get product out to their customers. And then very recently, a company called DP Global, DP World, they're a shipping company. They got hit with ransomware and they had to shut down four ports in Australia that were responsible for 40% of all in and out shipping out of Australia. And they had to shut it down for about three days. Think about that running up to Christmas time. And again, I guarantee none of the companies realized how dependent they were on this one particular company. And that's not to beat on this company. Everybody's getting hit with these things. So I just think that the exposures are very much unknown. I don't think boards, I don't think C-level executives understand what their exposures are because of this digital ecosystem. And I think people need to move toward real time or near real time 
You can't base this on point in time snapshots. And you have to understand where your real operational exposures are. And most people don't. It almost sounds like from your description, right? My company's ability to manage our risk is inherently dependent on my suppliers and my vendors' ability and willingness to manage their risk. Yeah. And most organizations have far more partners than they think. Like I ask audiences when I present on this, how many of you have 100 partners? And most hands go up. Go, how many of you have 500 partners? And a lot of the hands go down. And I say, you have more. Let me tell you, my wife runs her own company. She runs this small company. She's got 35 partners she depends on. Most companies have thousands of partners and they just don't understand where their exposures are. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Black Kite knows how complex it can be managing your cyber ecosystem risk. You're forced to either use a manual process or rely on old school ratings or scorecards. Neither option gives you a full picture of risk and both force you to make decisions with blind sides and this uncertainty causes increased stress. Black Kite illuminates risk in your cyber ecosystem. Our deep insights help you ease the tension caused by the unknown in your cyber ecosystem. We do this by giving you more than a risk score. We've created an automated system that provides real-time and accurate risk intelligence. Our data is accurate, reliable, detailed, and operationalized, so you can make informed risk decisions across your ever-changing cyber ecosystem. To learn more, visit blackkite.com. And now, back to the podcast. I'd like to continue this conversation a little bit more with supply chain risk, because I think this is a really important topic, and it's one that's emerging as a focus area for a lot of organizations. What is it like from an ecosystem risk perspective when you're both a supplier and a consumer? Yeah, that's a really, really tough one in a lot of organizations, a lot more than I even thought are sort of sitting in the middle there. And I think that the first thing you need to understand as a consumer of services, goods, et cetera, you need to understand where the downstream issues are coming to you, right? You're heavily dependent on a particular cloud provider as an example. Well, if they don't deliver their services to you, you then can't deliver your services to your downstream partners. So we have this sort of balance where you not only need to understand what your cyber posture is, what your risk posture is, what your program looks like, but you need to understand what the posture and the program look like upstream from you because if they can't give to you, you cannot give to your partners. There are legal and regulatory requirements there, especially in heavily regulated verticals. But there's also contractual things, right? If you hire me to deliver 50,000 widgets by next Friday and my upstream partner gets hit with ransomware and I can't manufacture and ship those widgets, I'm getting sued and they're not. And the example that I've been using that I think is really good, I always ask people, how many of you heard of a company called Seven Rooms? Most people have not. Seven Rooms is a hospitality CRM company. At the end of last year, they got hit with an attack. They lost a ton of data and a lot of hotels and restaurants use them. But here's the thing that's interesting. They actually didn't get breached. They used a third-party data transfer agent. That data transfer agent was actually who got breached. If I own a hotel, I didn't agree to do business with this third-party data transfer. So Seven Rooms, they're an example of a provider as well as a procurer of services. And most people have never heard of any of these companies, but they're these critical linchpins in 
supply chain, delivery, third-party vendor, et cetera. And those are the kinds of examples we're starting to see more and more of. And we see these cascading failures where somebody four or five levels away from you gets hit. Or we see concentration failures where a particular service provider services nine of your 10 biggest customers. Well, if they have an issue, those nine of 10 can't deliver for you. It's really a challenge of self-awareness about what you are doing, as well as an awareness of what's going on upstream from you. And to be quite frank, Heather, the vast majority of organizations, small, large, whatever industry, wherever you're located, they don't really have the level of visibility that they need. So given all of that, what do you see as the future of monitoring in ecosystem risk? I think there are a couple of things that play in there. I think the first one is you have to have a good sort of benchmark, right? What is it you are trying to understand? Do you want them to be compliant with a particular framework? Do you want to understand what the financial exposure is? Do you want to know in real time or near real time when a new software vulnerability comes out? One of the things we've seen is a lot of software supply chain risk for a variety of reasons, SolarWinds, Okta, VMware, Cisco, like all of these companies had issues with software. And again, not to beat on them because it's very common these days, but most people don't have the right level of visibility. So the ability to deploy real-time monitoring, to understand when things are changing in the environment, to understand when your critical suppliers may be exposing you by extension, or trying to understand that, you know what? We have 5,000 people in our ecosystem, 4,000 of them have solar winds deployed. What do we do? So understanding that is really, really important. And one of the things I think that's super critical for people to understand is a company can be doing a good job of cybersecurity. They could have a B grade or you know have 99% compliance with the framework. But if they drop the ball, if they miss a patching cycle, if somebody's on vacation and what they do is not written down anywhere we see shifts. So we see changes. So it's not always about, well, you're here. It's you were here two weeks ago and now you are lower than here, whatever here might be. And I think continuous monitoring and real-time visibility into the risk environment, the threat environment, the exposure environment, resilience is a big word that we have been hearing a lot more about. So I think ultimately, the closer to real-time awareness you have, the closer to, hey, this is a change that you get that information, the more important it is. Again, pointing to what I said earlier, if you send out a questionnaire on Jan 1, 2010, over the next two years, the cybersecurity posture of that company deteriorates, you're still operating based on the questionnaire from two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. So being able to get to real time is really, really critical and really, really important. And that's an area where Black Kite really excels in providing visibility into operational environments as opposed to just these static point in time snapshots. Well, Jeffrey, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been really eye-opening in terms of supply chain and risk management. Awesome. It's my pleasure, Heather. Thank you so much for having us. Hidden Risk is a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Black Kite. An award-winning intelligence platform, Black Kite is disrupting traditional third-party risk management practices worldwide by providing cybersecurity experts with full visibility they've never experienced before. To learn more about our sponsor, visit blackkite.com. For more of our media, visit our website at cybersecurityventures.com.